In this episode of Motivated by Happiness, Dan discusses his plan for the future, how he becomes happier with his relationships, the aftermath of coming out to his friends and family, and how he now takes on relationships with his friends and family. If you enjoy the show, please take a minute and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or send me feedback at mbh underscore podcast on Instagram. That is mbh underscore podcast on Instagram. Enjoy the show. This is Motivated by Happiness. Welcome back, guys, to Motivated by Happiness. This is, I believe, the sixth episode. It's sad that I'm already not keeping track, but I got my friend Daniel over here. Um, He's friends with Ariel, the guy from the first podcast with someone. I became friends with him while he was visiting. I don't know how much you've listened to the podcast overall, but how I've normally started is you can say hi. And then normally the question I've been asking people is, what were your first impressions of me, my personality, and whatever you want to say about that? So take it away, I guess. Sure. Hello. Uh, My name is Daniel again. My first impression of of Natan was... He's someone who, on the outside, is very confident in a thick skin, but is also very insightful and reflective. And not too many people may see that side of him. um, So like an onion. Well, hopefully this will allow (laughs) people to see my layers. So I know we were talking a little bit before. I just wanted to you to shed more light on the idea of dating that you've been talking to your friends, as you've mentioned earlier before the show. Sure. Sure. Dating. I I've gone on dates a couple past months here in Washington, DC. And I found surprisingly that lack of effort or lack of effort um, in dating um, either got stood up or, people started bailing on me last minute or just different things started happening. And I started asking myself, why, why is this going on? You know, where's the lack of effort coming from and started thinking about it as a lack of priority. And I started thinking about life, you know, we all have priorities, whether it's to lose weight, to eat more muscle, to get good grades or to graduate from college with, a certain um, high-ranking standards or whatnot, but when it comes to dating, there's I find so far this notion that with social media that you're always going to get someone without putting an effort, kind of like a lottery machine, that you can just um, lay the cart your cards on the table and you can always gamble for someone better, more attractive, more physically suitable for you. But at the end of the day. You're not looking, we're not looking at what's right in front of us. And that's a quality conversation. And I think with social media, that's played a big part in that. Um, but for dating, I think get whether it's getting back to the old school kind of nature of actually having a quality conversation with someone or intentionally asking questions, not like, how are you? Or what are your hobbies? But really tailoring questions for what you're actually interested in because no one's forcing you to ask questions. You could be a complete and 
the rude person and you don't have to be kind like no one's owing it to each other but we're choosing to be kind so we should be grateful for that i think um so for dating that's something i found for myself and i've deleted most of my social media by now um that happened in back in the summer when covid first started taking a um, foot back around march and now i'm only curious to see what happens with dating and social life after covid or if in this new normal that we're now seeing um so yeah. so now that you've deleted all your social medias do you find it harder to connect with people during this time especially with people maybe you don't have their numbers or anything sure sure so the first thing that i did after i deleted social media was actually look inward and i went through um, some old photos that or albums that i printed out and collaged and are on my phone um, and seeing those friends and create trying to create those memories um, and i started reaching out to a couple of them afterwards um, with um, high school friends or friends I met on some programs I participated um, in high again in high school, and I'm finding that when I can revisit some of those moments and memories, and am able to build or recreate kind of some of these new relationships. And of course, there's a difficulty in trying to make new friendships when you're not. Um, on Facebook or WhatsApp, and you're just connecting Instagram and talking about pop culture and all that. Of course, that's um, a reality, but I'm realizing a lot of close relationships I have should, is right in front of my face. And it's all about really looking within and kind of using that as fuel to how you can build a more meaningful and happy life, honestly, I think. Yeah. And, and you did mention before that relationships, just like anything else, really should be quality over quantity. And I really think that through social media, and I'm sure you can agree through social media, everyone's focused on how many connections you can make, how many, like, for example, when I first got Facebook, you know, I wanted to friend everybody right when I got on Facebook. And at this point, a Facebook friendship is so meaningless. And Instagram follows, like, we all want them. We all want the likes, but at the same time, like how many of these people do you still connect with? Like, let's say I have like 800, 700 followers right now on Instagram. And like, I probably talk to at most 50 of them on an occasional basis throughout a year. So <laughs> like it's, it's, it's all about the quality. It, I mean, I'm sure you're the same. You keep the people that you think are most important really close and the other people it's not that you're not friends with them anymore. It's just the fact that like, just there, there doesn't need to be that forever connection just as though as when you, you finally do meet back up with them, you have that quality connection with them. Cause it is the quality that's the most important. You bring up a really good point in a ton. Well, several points, but one, <laughs> one of them that uh, stuck out to me was, having many friends at the kind of 
speed dial kind of situation on your phone. And you're talking to someone uh, who had 50 or 60 contacts on his phone freshman, sophomore year. I can be very extroverted at times if I want to, Mm -hmm. regardless of social setting and can really kind of adapt and meet people. And the flip side of that was freshman, sophomore year for me was that on Friday nights, I wouldn't really spend that with them. I would Mm -hmm. spend it mostly alone and doing my own thing. So there's a trade-off. It's important to be confident and humble and, you know, extroverted in that context to be able to adapt to new people. But if you treat it like a game, then should you get into an accident, God forbid, or a bad situation, not one of them, reality check, are going to drop what they're doing maybe at 4 a.m. in the morning and come over or even send a phone call. Yeah. And the harsh truth of life i think is that life is unfair we can't control death a lot of times when it happens and i'm not saying that to be pessimistic but that's just the harsh truth that and we don't live forever of course and we don't fly not yet <laughs> yeah not yet um, so we only do have one life and what does that mean if it means having more topic level conversations with friends, but never really getting to know them on a deeper level. And then that's an option for you. But if you actually want to either grow or if you actually want someone to support you in hard times, so you just got broke up with your significant other, no one's going to be there for you necessarily. You can't count on that. And that's a harsh truth. But it's an important one, I think, that we should remember because we all go through stuff in life, good and bad, but it's a little things I think that matter. And it's not just not just the graduation or commencement speeches or awards. I mean, that's all fun and nice, but it's really the little things in life and the quality conversations you have with a cup of coffee or you're going for a run with a good friend of yours. So. Yeah, I mean, exactly. The, one of the best times I ever have in my hometown is just with my group of friend that I, friends that I've developed and we just sit there and we just talk and we just have a good time because we, we're, we're so used to each other that we're not worried about insulting one, or not one another. We're basically our true selves. So like we don't have to really worry about how this other person is going to treat us, which you find so often when you're meeting new people is although like you might be confident and you don't really care what they think, but this underneath all of that, you still feel like, okay, well, what if I say something that offends them? What happens if, you know, the conversation goes bad and they just think you're weird. Like you, you have all these like thoughts running through your head. Whereas when you have those quality connections, geez, I just had spit come up when you have, when you have all these quality connections, it really doesn't matter what you're doing. And that's something that I feel like I've learned throughout life that regardless of the task, regardless of the activity you're doing, the people that surround you are the most important. So when having those quality connections, it really makes all the activities you do with them fun. And I think that's just, it makes life so much more fun as a whole and more people should really be doing that. I mean, like you said, throughout high school, 
I was so worried about having everyone like me and stuff like that. I didn't really have any true friends all throughout, like in my high school, like all my friends right now are, didn't go to high school with me. I just met them because we're Jewish and I knew Yechiel and stuff like that. But I was friendly with everyone. And I'm sure you're, you found that way with yourself too, because it sounds like it. Whereas you're friendly with everyone, but then when it comes down to it, like you don't have someone to sit with at lunch. I found myself just moving from table to table until I found like a few people that I just felt like didn't care. So then I didn't have to care and it was good, but it took me a while to figure that out. And I know I keep talking, but I, I just, like I mentioned in the first episode, I broke up with someone and I kind of lost all my friendship was it was on my own fault, but I've shifted my life to this idea that I shouldn't focus completely on one relationship and cut everyone else off. And I should really focus on all the relationships that I want or surrounding me, which could be including my girlfriend. Right. And I think it's important to bring her into my life, but it's not important to take my life away to focus on one person and one relationship. If that makes sense. Yes. No, that, is <laughs> it pretty well yeah i i think that we don't need abject poverty or uh, a war or a famine for us to understand the meaning of friendship or family or social net one social network and yes we haven't really experienced a lot of us at least haven't experienced any of this um most of us millennials we grew up uh with 9 11 then there was the Boston bombing marathon, a couple other maybe assassinations, but nothing like World War II, uh, World War I, Vietnam War, or the Cold War that loomed over, I mean, every American head. And we haven't experienced that. That said, I don't think that should disqualify us from being able to understand and appreciate what we have because if we don't, one day, it can be always taken away. Someone in our life could die, unfortunately. And if we haven't been appreciating what we have when they were alive, then I think, I mean, you can't really buy back time. Yeah. The only thing I think maybe that you can actually buy um, is time. You can, do you think you can buy it? you know, and business or you're trying to stall someone or a situation, but really time, the clock is still ticking. Yep. It's like the sun. The sun will always come up the next day. And no matter what, we can't control that. We're always going to get up. Um, God forbid. And, and yeah. So now going back to you cutting off all social media, you said you've been going on dates. How have you been doing dating apps or are you also cutting yourself off of dating apps? No, I use <laughs> dating apps. That's a, a fair question. I use dating apps because uh, some friends through Hillel or Chabad, they've also used it and some have gone lucky um, and hometown friends have also. Um, but I've cut all of that off. I deleted most, actually all my apps mm -hmm. that I had and Tinder and Bumble and all of these apps uh, at one point. And I went on a couple of dates through them. And those were the dates that actually all sucked. sucked. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't think it's a crazy idea to have a date. Um, 
at a restaurant or cafe or to get to know someone, have a quality conversation as I try. And, uh, I will say now one of my biggest pet peeves is coffee dates. I can't stand oh. that. I have networking, fine. But if I want to go on a date with someone, for me, I realize I want it to be something intimate and personal. We can actually get to know someone. Exactly. So, so that's why you shouldn't even go to a restaurant. Restaurant <laughs> dates are horrible. That's true. That's true. That's because, true. I mean, I've had this notion my whole life, which is, I think I'm very grateful that I had it at such a young age. But the worst dates are the ones where you're two are either you're going to a movie theater and you're not talking to the person so you, you're literally not doing anything with them except for sitting for two hours in the movie theater and like how are you even getting to know someone by watching a movie together and then second of all you should never do a day where you're sitting one-on-one -on -one across the table from someone basically having an interview with the person like you say coffee dates and going out to dinner like the bar is not as bad but still you're just sitting there drinking a beer together or whatever you're drinking and like at that point you're literally just having an interview so whenever I want to go on a first date or whenever I tell someone to go on a date or what should they do or something like that, I always recommend, you know, bowling, you know, uh, mini golf, even just walk, going on a walk around a town or a funky neighborhood you've never been to. Walk, going on a pier walk is also a good one because you never know what's going to happen on there and you never know what you're going to have to talk about because you're just walking, but you're you're getting your mind off this idea that I have to talk to you and make you like me you know yeah, no i, I know you mean. <laughs> i just i'll say my favorite date that i've been on was at the national portrait no no the uh, national botanical gardens and awesome <laughs> that was the most beautiful day visiting the gardens and traveling the different parts and we got to know each other then went out to lunch after <laughs> um yeah that was that was something special that i enjoyed well there you go i mean it was just a one time thing i mean <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. still the best part the best part about doing stuff like that is even if the date sucks and the person sucks and you don't like them and you don't want to hang out with them anymore you still had a good time going out doing something you know if you just go to dinner and you're sitting there and it sucks and you want to leave, okay, great. The best thing you did was you ate a meal. Like, that's not <laughs> cool. It's not fun. Like, I had someone suggest like, oh, axe throwing is a really good idea. I'm like, yeah. Like, that sounds awesome. Axe throwing. If you somehow did archering, going boating would be a cool one. You know, even, even I remember at work, I was talking to someone and they suggested that they they would go and go do a hike with the she did it with her roommates but i was like on a date you should literally just go hiking and they they brought wine and cheese and they went hiking they went up a mountain they just sat and ate wine and cheese in the little in the middle of the woods and had a really good time i'm like that's what a date should be you know it doesn't have to be the conversation shouldn't be the driving force it should be literally the vibes you get from one another and hanging out and doing whatever because that's what a relationship is how many times are you going to sit at dinner in your relationship and be like wow this person's amazing you know the best parts of a relationship is you go dancing you go do something together you travel because traveling you're doing something you're getting yes, something maybe, out of it <laughs> maybe then the restaurant is more of a second uh, or third date yeah when you've got to know someone that should have clarified <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes actually my 21st birthday we uh I celebrate that with friends by going axe throwing. 
Yes. That was an exhilarating activity. I hope not while drinking, of course. Before. Before, okay. As long as as long as you were not throwing <laughs> axes while you were drunk or something. No, that was also after. Okay. Or that, not that also, but that was after at a, a Korean uh, karaoke bar. Oh, karaoke is fun. Again, another great date idea. Because <laughs> you really get to let loose, you know, you know, get to see what the person exactly. like. You need one. You need Blink One Eighty Two. I miss you. <laughs> so, a lot of people don't know you're in school in Washington D.C. Well, I say people like I have a fan base, but you're in Washington D.C. Um, I, you want to explain more about what you're doing there, what your major and stuff like that? Sure, sure. So, actually, last time you spoke a ton, a lot of changes, uh, all for the good. Um, oh, good. Uh, occurred yeah so but yes my um i'm living in washington dc as you said i'm a junior at american university living near embassy row for those who are familiar with geography in the area i chose this school funny or not because it was in the center of just everything Mm -hmm. like new york city and for me i want to feel that i'm in the center of kind of politics or just issues and for me to figure out myself and what I actually believe in because there's no way out. (laughs) Um, You have to kind of face the truth one way or another, what's going around you and you have to own up to it and you have to acknowledge it or disagree, agree regardless. Um, So my major is justice and law and Specifically, I'm studying issues related to security, uh, counterterrorism. Although I um, have decided after graduation actually to change paths a little bit. Um, so I'm, I was in a with uh, five-year combined graduate program actually with Homeland Security uh, Policy, and I withdrew from it. And now after um, graduation year and a half, give or take, um, I will likely be making Aliyah or moving to Israel. Oh. I've actually um, been, been planning. So, yeah. And what's your plan there? You know, right now I'm trying to live in the present and yeah. take one thing at a time. Um, possibly do a non-combat role in the army and hopefully... Maybe you know, do be some help other people. Maybe um, do some security stuff. <laughs> but then after, maybe you know, you know, get a master's or do a different change of career paths or something that I can um, find out. But I suppose that's to be determined because I am trying to again be in the in present, running out of time. And what drew you to Israel to go to go to Israel? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, Well, junior year of high school, uh, I went to Poland, like many other Jewish teens, (laughs) and visited the country, toured its camps and museums. And I lost a lot of family on my mom's side, actually, in the war. Mm. And in that trip, I 
thought I wanted to get some closure and I did um, for a majority of it. But then after um, I went and fast forward two, three years and um, today, I've always wanted to work with Israel in some shape or form um, as a way of um, connecting and putting into action, sort of say, um, closure. So um, because a lot of my family couldn't have, um, who died, couldn't have received an Israeli passport, it's been a goal of mine since then in high school to receive a passport. So, and that's something I've been thinking about in the back of my mind since then. And it was only after New Year's and a lot of uh, conversation and with friends and family about what it means to have actually a friend or what it means to have a family mm -hmm. um, kind of prompted me to consider making the shift. Well, good luck. Can't wait to hear more when it actually happens. Not saying I don't think it's going to happen, but I just, I'm, I'm curious uh, how it goes and everything. Um, sure, thank you. Sure. Of course. Um, I had a question and it slipped to my mind and I feel so bad about it, but, uh, <laughs> um, this is really bad. I wish, I wish I didn't forget. We can, we can continue going forward again for the people listening. I apologize. My mind sometimes goes to blank, but I'm sure you can all relate to that. Um, I wanted to shift to some more serious parts of the show that I think a lot of people enjoy listening to because I feel like there's so many stories out there and I really want to pr promote different stories from different people's background. For example, I, I barely know you in the grand scheme of life, but after we've talked a little bit, I feel like I've gotten to know you more than you know, just some random person. So, but I have not known your whole life story. I don't know how you got into this spot. And as you know, the whole point of the show is to talk about some like struggle that has happened in the past and what types of things have you done to get to a certain point to where you are, that you're not really so much dealing with all the stuff that's come in the past. Obviously, I don't know where you are currently in all of the happiness and emotional stuff. So feel free to share as much as you're willing to share with everyone. So sure. Sure. I to start off. I think I had a unique upbringing in the sense that I spent most of my childhood traveling between different schools and quickly learned that at a young age, you know, life will continue on and change is inevitable. But beyond that, more specifically, around, again, then junior high school, my time in Poland was one of my first times I felt sort of a calling because I spent so much of my childhood traveling. And it was a way in this program, I also met other kids my age, um, in, from different uh, states in the United um, US and in, in parts of Canada. Um, so that kind of signified a personal identity, kind of uh, mosaic sort of say. But in terms of personal struggles, 
I've always, no, I wouldn't say always. Initially, I've always um, tried to actually look externally because I thought that's um, how you can make sense of things, have with the noise and, you know, what everyone else is doing. And for so long, I've done that. And um, all throughout, maybe so up till sophomore year of high school. But recently, I've um, been trying to really focus on, you know, looking inward and what, um, how you can help best help people and also is help yourself. Um, if there's a specific question, um, I know we talked a little bit in the time, uh, feel free to ask. Um, but in terms of struggles, I will say I've, uh, growing up, I was uh, the middle child of three, um, uh, two brothers and both of my parents uh, kind of bipolar uh, interests. <laughs> um, uh, liberal humanities on the one side, math, science, um, politically, uh, religiously, same thing. Half of my family is very traditionally religious. Half of my family is uh, the complete opposite. So I've never had a bar mitzvah, bar bar mitzvah or don't know, doesn't know Hebrew that much, right? And the other um, side of my family, that's their bread and butter kind of <laughs> type mm -hmm. deal. Uh, so for me, growing up in the middle child, I was the peacemaker um, and always trying to me uh, mediate and negotiate and trying to keep the peace and balance in the house. So fast forward um, a couple of years until today, <laughs> um, I um, realized that's afforded me a unique perspective of listening and recognizing differences, but understanding that yourself and your own opinions don't need to agree with everyone else around you. And the ability to take perspectives is one of the most powerful abilities, I think, um, because today there's so much noise and anxiety and fear that's driving people insane. But when it comes to actually listening, being present, and working with what you do have and not what you don't have, because it's easy to do that until the cows come home, but to actually listen fully, reserve your opinions and just try to not put yourself in their shoes because we can never fully do that, but just to kind of imagine what maybe they might be going through. That's a huge skill, I think, empathy mm -hmm. and that's not something maybe we can teach. We all empathize with people. Um, not saying you're born with it, but I'm saying is that I think some people who've had different, whether, um, whether it's traumatic experiences or um, I'll say on a personal note, I've never felt judged or if people did, I really didn't spent or bullied i never really spent time focusing on that when i was younger um if anything i was always bullied for being jewish so i always took mm -hmm. priority um over being gay or um having fam um i don't know parents that split or whatever it may be but in terms of that noise i never um i've 
I mean, I acknowledge it and I recognize it, but I think that the most important thing that we can do um, is to give to ourselves and to surround ourselves, like Ms. Han, you said, by people who really do care. And there are always going to be those quote-unquote haters or <laughs> um, those people who judge other people, crit- crit- uh, critique their behavior, analyze it, whatever it may be, and not work with it. Those people, I think, are going through something or suffering or whatever it may be, but there's an insecurity Mm-hmm. signaling their red alarm because we can't control other people. I learned quickly on, we can only control how we respond to situations. I mean, in life, talking yep. generally. So um, again, if there's a specific question, yeah. feel free to ask. Um, I will say most of my close friends today some of the most diverse group of people, um, not just living in the United States, so it's actually a lot of them living abroad because I spent a lot of time mm-hmm. in high school doing international programs. Um, but there's a, a very high common level of trust and honesty and respect that I'm very grateful for. And I mean, I'm now even rediscovering all of that I feel in my life. And it's a beautiful thing to have an honest, 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 honest conversation with someone Yes. when you don't have to think about what they're going to say in response or how they're going to react or are they going to like this or not cut the BS. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing because in that moment when we are present, I, I think, and I've learned for myself, I mean, that's where, I mean, validation really comes from. Yeah. And, and you give to yourself. So that's what. I yeah. mean, when you, I've noticed throughout life and I've never really struggled with being open with other people. So when it came to having conversations with other people, I never really struggled with the idea that what I'm saying is private and I shouldn't share but it has benefited me in the idea that people have really been open and responsive to me. So like, I'm really in the past, I've been really good at getting people to like share things that maybe they're not so comfortable sharing with other people, because since I'm so open, they feel like, okay, I can be open with this person because they're giving me the real selves. I can give them my real self. So like you're saying, that's understandable and it works, but I feel like for me, I kind of lost who I was because I was so focused on trying to, make other people feel comfortable that I was never really like real with myself until recent times. And that's, it's kind of brought my happiness back to the idea that I don't have to fake to myself and I could look internally and see that there is things I have to work on, but by not neglecting them, it's made it easier for me to come to terms to what's going on inside of me. But I wanted to talk about how you said that you focus on the world externally and you're kind of focusing on what's on the outside and what kind of things are there and present. And you also you also tried to stay as the medium between your two sides of the family. Did you, during that time, kind of lose who you were? You know what I mean? Because you're saying now you, you focus on yourself and you're talking with friends about relationships in general and how you really appreciate the quality of relationships. But 
it sounds like before you were so worried about what other people think together and focusing on other people that you forgot about yourself. Is that true? You want to <laughs> not let me no, see? Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, you bring up a really good point. Again, uh, growing up, having traveled a lot, I quickly thought that the only way to make friends and feel connected was to change yourself because I realized that if I'm going to keep traveling, go to a different school, if I'm going to have to move my house, then the only way to really make new friends is to kind of adapt to your new environment. And, you, and if anyone knows me and my good friends, I go all in because I want to be intentional or try to be at least in finding some sort of meaningful relationship. Um, maybe I didn't realize it back then, um, <laughs> but I'm realized looking back now, I'll, I'll say that a lot of that, what it's led to was, you know, complete loss of identity, complete loss of a, a lot of your good friends or who you think are your good friends don't actually know you. Yeah. And you're living almost like a double life where you would go to your room at home and play with video games or whatever it may be. And those same friends that you call friends wouldn't have no idea what you're actually doing. They have no idea because you just haven't let them in. Yeah. And because you're so concerned about yourself. And I'll say that was a big way of life I've lived maybe truthfully all the way up to sophomore year of college truthfully but i'm real i've i've realized now and lately that that's not not only a healthy way to live life but it's not one where tr meaning is going to come there's no picture perfect reality of friendships that doesn't exist some uh, may have friends live all over the world. Some may have friends in their tight-knit community. But whatever it may be, that's your reality. And you're the only one that's going to live in your reality, I've realized. So the question then becomes, what type of reality are you going to build for yourself? Yeah. And, and it's crazy because so many people think, oh, you know, like you said, I have to change who I am to hope that people like me. But then we're finding out recently, I feel like it's more of a trend nowadays and how, how people see each other, but people really attract themselves to real people and people can really read when you're not being real. So for example, I'm sure you've seen this all the time. There'll be someone who like tries to make you laugh. Someone tries to act a certain way and then you just respond so horribly to it because you're like, who are you? Like, why are you acting like this? You know, they it's, it almost seems like they're trying to act a certain way. And the majority of the time, it doesn't get recepted, received well from other people. And it almost kind of secludes you in that way as well. Like you, you kind of don't get friends and the friends that you do have, they're not really your friends, you know? So you're kind of just putting yourself in a double-edged sword, you know, a lose-lose situation that, you know, you don't have friends and you can't make friends because they can't, they know that you're not you and you're kind of just stuck in that middle ground of like now what 
I'll say though, when you act that way for so long, anything alternative to that way of life is seen as almost foreign. Yeah. And so might feel, one might feel like he or she is sky falling when, uh, and if I should say, <laughs> um, he or she tries to make any changes in his or her life. So, I mean, that's, yeah, that's just called living. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's also interesting. So many people are so worried about affecting their relationships that they don't want to be themselves. But as you find out, especially if the further you go in life, and as you build connections and have friends, that by doing so, you're you're almost kind of not allowing your friendships to grow. Like so many times I'll have arguments with friends and then so often I'll stop talking to them because, you know, they weren't real friends and they weren't worth it to me. And where you can tell like the real friends that you can be your true self and you might mess up, you know, there's so many times that I've messed up in a relationship. I said something or act a certain way and that's just who I am. But through actually connecting with them and being real and not being petty and like, you know, being someone else, I can just have an actual honest conversation to the point where I just become better friends with them when we rekindle that friendship. No, you said it perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, when you uh, talk and it sounds good, but then it comes out differently than you thought it was going to sound. That's how every time I talk on this podcast, let's be real. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, But, um, Although you were, once you started discovering things internally and you did uh, ever so slightly mention that you are gay, I think it would be an interesting share of like what types of things went through your mind and what types of things happened once you finally were came to the idea that you have to tell people. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a funny, funny story, but I'll share it. Um, well, after again, uh, <laughs> I went to Poland. I said humanity is effed up. Pardon my French. Uh, history is terrible at times, and you can't change that. Mm-hmm. We can rewrite it, but that's just living a lie, I thought. So I posted on Facebook, as any other millennial does nowadays. <laughs> um, and, you know, my posts now spread like wildfire. I talked about how humanity has its terrible moments and we need to start living just a little bit more authentically. And then my family and got mixed results and all of that. I will say that the fa- uh, what surprised me the most was that a lot of my religious family actually were the, the most supportive initial, um, initially in the moment. Now, a lot of my secular family, I think maybe it was more expected or anticipated in more religious circles. That's more of a taboo type deal. Um, so that surprised me for sure. Um, another thing I've learned is that a lot of my friends, not actually, I want to say almost all of them are either are straight. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I think almost all of them are. Um, and I don't do anyone and I treat everyone and I also have a terrible gator because I just think unless if you're 
a Looney Tune, I just think again that you know you're straight, or I don't know, unless if you give me something alternative. I don't. I didn't grow up with a lot of um, people like that. In high school, all the people came out, um, but as of now, it's just not how I end up surrounding myself by um, whom I surround myself with, and yeah, I I should say that it's been very interesting and um i've been told being told on both ends of the religious spectrum that um from the very very religious that you shouldn't be doing this and then the very very secular that you shouldn't be more religious a lot of people just saying what you should should not yeah. be doing and i i would say i've realized that um, a little while back that I mean, I'm never going to stop doing what I do, (laughs) but of course I am very cognizant of different, you know, circles and environments. And I do try to be respectful regardless of myself because uh, coming from a traditionally religious family and having family in part, and I know that I don't need someone to agree or disagree with me. Yeah. I really don't. I the only person I need to have agree with me is myself. Exactly. And exactly. I, it would be great, and it would make me so happy if you know family just fully support me. But I also know that realistically, the only thing I can do is hope for that to be true. Yeah. So the most important thing is for myself to be happy about myself. And I mean, thank you for sharing, obviously. Um, But I think it's really interesting. And I was telling you this before that this past week, I've had this thought in my head that I think it's so interesting that people our age and people younger and like millennials these days are so comfortable with people being of some other sexual orientation that it's almost welcomed to the point that people are like more happy when you are, you know, gay or trans or bi or, you know, and it's crazy to me that they're so accepting of this. When you see people of the older generations, like our parents, like people of that age and grandparents who, when someone comes out as gay, someone comes out as bi, something that's not familiar than straight they start have this idea that you're going to start shaping yourself into something that's characteristic characterized as gay or bi or something like, like, you know, so many people think that if you're gay, you're, you become feminine. And if you're a lesbian, then you are going to become masculine. And people forget that just like being straight, that that's just a part of us, but that's not our full personality. It's not our characteristic. And they almost forget that, like you becoming you coming out as gay is not going to change who you are. It's just going to change your sexual orientation of how people perceive you. That's really all that's going to shift. And I just think it's interesting that this day and age, people our age are so comfortable with people act like being this way. Sexual orientation is gay and stuff like that. I'm trying to say it correctly. It's it's kind of, (laughs) as you know, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but people are so accepting of this, but then, you see a whole flip a lot of times, whereas the older generations are more comfortable with the idea that 
you can be of a different political background because they see they they see it as an open discussion and further discussion whereas a lot of people our age and millennials often will disassociate your your personality once they hear about your political background whether that's democratic or republican there'll be people that are on the right that go oh you're a democrat you must act this way you must want this thing and then vice versa you'll hear people that are democratic a democrat and they go oh you're a republican you act this way this way you know and we forget that some people some not all democrats are biden supporters and not all the de- uh, republicans are trump supporters but we we clump all these people into this idea of who they are and we forget that they're just human beings and, and it's like i said in the past it's people just want what's best and they might see it differently than you but and then it all goes back to your thing where you're you're that middle ground and you're trying to help people understand and and people just forget that you really have to listen and understand where people are coming from and take all the hatred that you've had and see that this is just a person in front of you having an actual conversation and there's nothing blocking that except for just your genuine emotion towards each other and you know human to human conversation <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I, you said it really well. Uh, people ask me, what are your political beliefs? Or a lot of Democrats will say, oh, you're too Republican. And Republicans will say, you're too Democrat. And I <laughs> say, well, my name is Daniel and I'm an individual. There you go. Um, and that's how I respond to that question. A lot of people uh, love to typecast. Well, I think what you're describing of pre-programming what someone's way of life really looks like based upon their identity or sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. However, I think that for me is incredibly limiting. Um, We can make inferences and we can um, have suggestions that we think closely align with what and who someone is. But at the end of the day, it is impossible um, to fully know someone in that regard, unless if you don't ask them. Yep. Right? My, um, thing my family also always told me growing up was don't make assumptions, ask questions. And I, I never really listened to that because I love to prove <laughs> that I was right growing up. But as lately, I'm now really trying to ask questions and actively listen yeah. instead of making assumptions. Um, yes, you can, I said earlier, you can make all these inferences and suggestions and based on hypothesis. And, but at the end of the day, unless maybe if it's in a school setting and it's super formal and you have an exact algorithm to prove and confirm your suspicions, then it's maybe not fully true. They may have these tendencies, but they're ultimately hypothesized tendencies because they're an individual as unique as our DNA is to each one of us. Yeah. And I don't know if you know, there's a uh, TED talk where this woman, it's called, um, I like this, oh, what is it? I forget the name of it. I apologize. But the whole idea was people make inferences, a single story. That's I think that's what it's called. I'm sure you've heard it. It's very popular. But it's the idea that people like 
characterize or categorize, like you said, put people into these boxes of what they're supposed to be like without understanding. So, so often you hear nowadays that there'll be people who categorize Islamic people as terrorists because that's what they know. And that's their single story that they hear about them, forgetting that there's a whole group of people that are not even part of uh, the terrorist movement itself. Like they all have their individual lives. They might not even like the terrorist group, but like we, we all care, categorize those people into those, you know, those boxes. And it's like you said, you really do have to listen and talk to people because so often you'll get stuck to these ideas that someone will act a certain way. And it'll just by talking to them, you'll change your whole opinion of who this person is. It happens so many times. I'm sure it's happened to you. It's happened to me. You think a certain way, you have a conversation. You're like, wow, you're cool. You know, I didn't think that way. I mean, I mean obviously you don't say that to them because that would be stupid. But <laughs> I mean, it, it happens. Like, I think we, we get so stuck in this idea that I have to make an inference about you and that's going to determine whether or not I talk to you is crazy. I mean, we we're talking about relationships earlier and so many people do that in relationships. They won't even go out with someone because they have this idea that someone will act a certain way. Like, I, I, my new philosophy that I've grown up and developed in my head is the idea that if someone asks me out on a date in the future, obviously I'm with my girlfriend now. I don't think it's going to happen. I hope not. <laughs> but if someone asks me out, I would say yes, because what's the harm of saying yes and seeing who this person is, you know, I shouldn't make inferences about this person because they're a human being too. I don't know them yet. I just know a picture, you know, on on my dating app. I know a picture of them and a little description that probably doesn't even explain half of who they are. If I may add, I think the biggest consequence to this immediate gratification of typecasting <laughs> being right um, it, and what's not being talked about um, in public discourse is that people can take advantage of you and of this culture. Mm -hmm. And for example, in the conversation of terrorism, I've studied it, uh, terrorists love the media's hyped anthem of, you know, a terrorist attack, 9-11. That's how ISIS recruits. And that's how Al-Qaeda, mainly ISIS, will uh, kind of recruit new uh, foreign fighters from Western countries. And it's actually an increasing growing concern in Europe, in London, and in many countries in the West, and, um, and, and including many parts of the United States, like in Minneapolis, uh, I want to say Minneapolis. So all this hysteria as bad as it is because yes it's a very bad attack but all of the continued hysteria after the 24-hour news cycle um that plays into their favor um i think it's great to think that everyone in this world is nice and striving for the same goals but i that's also a little naive not to be harsh but there are people that want to take advantage of you. There are people that are not going to play by the rules. And quote one of my teachers, she said, um, one can never underestimate the power 
of nationalism or the extent to which someone will go to prove their point. And that prompted me to think about, again, to prove someone's point means regardless of politics, how far we're willing to go to say that we're right, whether whatever it means. And I think we don't want to acknowledge it, what maybe in public discourse, because then if we do, we realize that we're actually responsible for this problem that continues to actually be infecting our society in increasing numbers of fatalities. So are you saying that when when there's a news cycle that goes around about a terrorist attack, how are they, like, are there just people like, oh, this happened, I want to join now? Or are you saying, I'm just confused on what you're sure, sure, explaining. Sure. Um, after a 24-hour news cycle um, for certain terrorist attacks that occur, that same footage, I can't confirm this, um, but is likely played in recruitment sent um, uh, websites, like on um, whether it's on Bitcoin or there was like a Facebook soccer match or something, and they linked news footage to these websites through um, for recruitment purposes. Mm. After so, after twenty four hours news cycle, because um, ends the more news footage. I mean, perpetuates the problem that is indirectly harming us, and we're part. I think part responsible for it. Um, that's in terrorism, but I mean, you could say the same thing in schools for kids that bully, because bullies love to take advantage of a culture where they can scapegoat. Uh. It's what's happened in history for so many minorities or so many different groups of people around the world is that people, some people who don't want to play by their rules, because we're all, I think, a little bit selfish, maybe. Um, but for some who don't want that, right, and they're on a little bit more extreme end, um, they love to, they need to exploit a culture of gratification, immediate gratification and typecasting so they can go fly under the radar and then attack someone. I mean... Got it. I got it. It's, I using, think one of the biggest problems that's so often you, overlooked. So they're using the idea that if we think that everyone is like this, then we won't know who's who. Exactly. Got it. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. I was trying to get it and I guess I figured it out. Yeah, eventually. no, exactly. I mean, people, of course, in the outskirts, if someone dresses differently, then that's going to be you know, game changer, but ideologically, if you're having a conversation with someone and you're in a crowd of say 1500 people and you're trying to figure out who's going to attack in the security context and how do you figure out, because they're going to be flying under the radar, dressing like them, looking at them. And I mean, that's a problem. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Finally understood. So, not to change notes because this kind of went a different direction, which is yeah, cool. Sure. But I had this idea in my mind that I wanted to finish on. But with going back to the idea of having this, uh, th- like making assumptions and stuff like that in general, it's also problematic when it comes to our relationships in life. And I always mention this, but I think it's really true 
that so often people will make assumptions on how someone's thinking with also out asking about it. So like, for example, say, like, say, for example, I'm driving home another girl from, let's say, like work or something like that or school, right? And let's say my girlfriend sees and without asking me questions, she's just like, well, who was in that car and makes assumptions that I'm doing something, you know, with this girl without even asking questions. Like this is this is just an example of like people take jumping to conclusions about someone's actions rather than just trusting and having faith that they're not doing anything bad and ultimately asking what's actually happening is also a problematic in relationships that are like romantic relationships, but also just in general in life. So it goes back to the idea that you really have to share and ask questions of someone before assuming who this person is. hundred <laughs> percent. We might assume that someone needs help um, or that they can't complete an activity without you or whatever it may be. Um, but I'm realizing that the best thing we can do um, in our, a friend's time of need is to be there. Yeah. And sometimes all that means is you being there and saying, Hey, what do you need? Mm -hmm. And maybe it's just to physically be there and watch a movie with them. You know, yeah. and we wouldn't know, we wouldn't even know if we don't ask. Yeah. I mean, just throughout life, assuming anything, whether the person needs help, whether assuming that their actions mean something that they don't like, ultimately, if you don't ask what the person intentions are or what they need, you're ultimately losing. You're just, you're in a losing battle. Like you're, you're going to pick something wrong and then it's going to go worse than it already is. And it's funny that you mentioned sometimes people just really need to get listened to. Sometimes they just need a rant. Sometimes they just need you to be by their side. And it was interesting because the only the, the first place I learned this lesson was from South Park, which I think is the funniest thing that I've learned this lesson from. But <laughs> but the idea is there was a scene where Butters is like upset and uh, he like flips out easily. He's really easy to flip. And their teacher, who is the president at the time, making fun of Donald Trump, um, was like mean tweeting him and stuff like that. And he was like flipping out because I believe it was something about like the trade war and something with like China and his, and I think, is it Craig that's with him or someone? I don't know. His boyfriend at the time who was there was every time Butters was venting to him, he was trying to give like a solution to his problems every single time. He's like, oh, try this. Maybe do this. Maybe do that. You can do this. Maybe this will help. And every single time, Butters would flip out more because he's more in his head trying to do all these things. And by the end of the episode, he's like, you know, I just need you to listen to me. I don't care if I'm right. I don't care if I'm wrong. I just need you to be there and listen to me. Get what's on my mind out. Because some, and, and in all honesty, sometimes all you need in life is to get what's in your head out. And I recommend that sometimes... If it's if you don't have a person to do that to, you can always just write it down on a piece of paper and just get it out of your head so it's physically out in the world and not stuck in your head, festering in there, running your head rapid. No, no, I, I agree. <laughs> um, I 
speaking from personal experience, I have been one to uh, mirror Buttercup, if you is the character of offering solutions, um, because I thought that by solving other people's problems, I could help them. Oh, I was like that too. (laughs) Um, But I'm learning that it's not our responsibility to do that. Mm -hmm. And yes, we can help. I enjoy help helping others and who I care about. I enjoy being uh, practicing being selfless and I aspire to. I really actually do. So I feel good when I help people I care about. Um, But by listening, we can, I think, even be more effective of knowing what they really want. And I see this situation as twofold in where on the one side, you can solve their problem. And in doing so, that may dampen your relationship, but it will solve the problem there and then. It's a band-aid, quick fix. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, you have their actual relationship. Yeah. And and that requires listening and being attentive, maybe remembering information about if he or she went through a similar breakup previously, regardless, that's just trying to be attentive and holding on to that information. And I was on the, on the first side um, for so long because I thought that was how I could be help. But also now I'm trying to find um, balance. a balance. And when I find um, when talking with friends is by even asking them, because I don't like to overstep anymore. Yeah. I know I can sometimes. <laughs> um, but by asking even our friends, again, not making assumptions, but ask questions saying, hey, I know this is your problem, but may I offer us a proposed solution? And if they say no, that's in their prerogative to say, yeah. shut up. You don't, <laughs> don't want to hear it. And you can say, okay, that's your problem. But if you, if they say yes, then that means they want to hear what you have to say. And if that relationship isn't prioritized, you could really do harm yeah. on them and offend them. Yeah. Even if it's unintentional, that's just the reality because you're not actually listening. And, and the three things I want to say is one, like you said, sometimes the person feels like, you know, you might be better than them because you actually have a solution for them and not being there. Um, I also thought it was interesting. I was listening to someone about this, but they said that whenever they have a conversation like with their wife, they always go, okay, what type of conversation do you want to have? Do you want to have one where I help you with the solution or just listen? And it kind of goes to the idea that like you let them just dictate what you do, especially if you're, if you're not really good at telling the certain situation, because because some people aren't. And then lastly, when you have those conversations that you're trying to solve the solution, a lot of times, and I think that's what they're trying to show in the show is a lot of times when you're trying to come up with a solution, you're not really thinking you're just going, okay, how can I help this person immediately and put that quick bandaid on? And that's where you see a lot of harm where someone might be dealing with something and you get, they get like five sentences out. And then all of a sudden you give them a, okay, well, why didn't you try this? And it's like, I haven't even finished what my problem is and you're already trying to solve it. Like, I think that's where there's a huge disconnect. But if you want to add something, go. Yeah, no. Um, I, I want to bring up, lastly, uh, the iceberg model, which 
you may have learned in college uh, when you only can see what's on the outs yep. uh, of a situation. You might, yeah, no background and context, but we don't know really beyond the tip of the iceberg what's going on in someone's head. You know, if someone's maybe dealing with something or has a family member passed, we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to add. Good. So we're getting to the end. I don't really have a time limit, but we have topics. So we're getting to the end. Um, some The two things I want to I usually end on is I know it's February already. I understand it. This will probably be the last one, but I I've been doing new year's resolutions, but I think I'm going to shift it to the idea of what types of things are you planning for yourself to work upon in the future? So like prime example for me is I really want to work on time management, just like blocking out time going, okay, I have class now I'm going to do homework for this amount of time and really blocking out times to do things. So I'm not getting stuck behind in schoolwork and stuff like that, but also play, prioritizing myself, like working out, spending time on myself, just reflecting, whether it's going for a walk or just sitting in my bed, playing video games, just something like for myself, like basically just prioritizing, making sure I have those planned out. So what about you? Definitely second to time management. <laughs> um, but for me, something I've been working on recently as of, yes, nope, today, <laughs> um, is formalizing uh, friendships. And I started to do actually read a little bit um, after New Year's, um, but I have a lot of uh, friends university that I've talked with um, and been close with, but don't really know each other personally. And I do believe in quality over quantity and yeah. with relationships. So I think that whether that means deleting their contact or blocking them, whatever happens, um, more to give to myself, maybe a little selfish, <laughs> but for all like the self-help reasons, because we don't owe it to anyone but ourselves. I mm -hmm. think really to not give, we don't need to give so much extra closure and trying to make sure someone else does good before ourselves. So we don't, so um, that's something I'm working on. And I don't think there's a problem with being selfish. I think yeah. If you're not a little bit selfish, then you lose yourself. You lose your, who you are. You stop caring about yourself to the point that it just becomes lonely because if you don't have anyone but yourself, then what do you have to do? You know, when you're by yourself in a room and you have to figure out what to do or what to be, like if you don't have anything for yourself and you're not securing yourself, then like you feel lonely when no one's around you. So I understand that being selfish is relatively important not too selfish don't be like self-centered but it's important to keep what's important to you because it's your life and not theirs they have their own life no i, I agree i think the biggest misconception is that we're not allowed to prioritize ourselves. it's in, it's important not only to know oneself but to understand what we like and what we don't like yeah. yeah, because only then we can actually yeah, build meaningful relationships because we know what we like and we don't like simply. It's exactly. not 
um, rocket science, I think. But if you don't know yourself, then you're constantly going to keep going back and forth and getting frustrated, but not knowing why you're frustrated. And there's a cycle of psychological anxiety that one creates for him or herself. <laughs> um, I also think it keeps a standard for you with when it comes to friendships and a partner, you know, by ha by knowing yourself and what you like and going through trials and, you know, figuring that out, you, you kind of set a standard for who you want in your life. And by having that standard, it allows you to figure out who's really supposed to be here and who's really not going to be helpful in my life, which I think is an important thing to understand. So I don't think it's them being selfish. <laughs> I think it's self-help. Yeah. 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 Because I think maybe them being selfish is the complete opposite 180. <laughs> yeah. It's the wrong word. Self-help's a better word. Self -help, I, I, right? I agree. Self-help is a good word. So we've, as you know, we come, we're coming to the end. I, I really like this idea that I want to give you the ability to just say anything that's on your mind, say something to the people listening, whatever you want. It can be short. It can be, you know, a nice little spiel, but whatever you want to say to end it off, it's the floor is yours. No, thank you. The first thing that comes to mind is that life is always glammed up to be those bigger moments, right? Graduation, weddings, marriage, they're all beautiful things. But as we talked about earlier, life or what we remember out of life is also the smaller moments. Having a good cup of coffee with a friend, seeing the sun um, set, or watching your favorite movie with a uh, bowl of ice cream and your favorite flavor on your birthday, whatever it may be, I really think it's those sort of smaller moments in which we should appreciate for. And to anyone who's listening, and we all have those moments in our life and no one will know what those moments are other than you and what makes you happy. And yes, we've all heard before that comes from within, but it really does. Like no one's going to go out and find it for you. No one's going to chase your dreams except you. No one's going to achieve the things you want in life, again, other than you. So I think you get the picture. <laughs> um, there's so much noise and that noise is never going anywhere. It may change, it may adapt, but it's always going to be there. And you can go into it and go out as you please. But if I can suggest anything, it's that just remember those moments and cherish them because looking back on one's life, maybe when you're 60 or 50, you want to remember those moments. What type of life do you want to remember? Some people want to have a legacy. Some people want to leave this earth with a million dollar company in their name or whatever it may be. But whatever that is, and you figure out for your life, then everything else will follow suit, I think. So. Well, thank you, Daniel, for joining us. And have a good one, guys.